I'm Lake Miller. I'm here with Emma Scoville. Welcome to Gem City Diversity, a podcast where we talk about diversity and inclusion in the Dayton area. We are from the National Conference for Community and Justice of Greater Dayton, or NCCJ. NCCJ works in the Miami Valley to increase understanding around the topics of diversity and inclusion. This season, we are diving into discrimination in Dayton. Today's episode is on the KKK rally that took place in Dayton back in May. So, like, did you have a chance to go to the KKK rally this past summer? I was out of town, so I didn't get a chance to. Yeah, so during the KKK rally, I I did not personally go to the actual site of the rally Mm -hmm. at Courthouse Square. Um, However, I did participate in that afternoon of peace and unity um, over at McIntosh Park. So I actually had the chance of taking a lot of our program alumni to that event. And what I thought was really beautiful about that is while the KKK is here and there's all this hatred and there's this focus around, you know, racism and the ideals that come with that, the afternoon of unity at McIntosh Park was more about celebrating who we are as Dayton. Um, And really, I felt at that location that the effects of the KKK were very minimal. It was really... We were coming together to celebrate just as we would celebrate, really, as we should be celebrating in any other day. So I had a really great experience. I tried my very hardest to avoid the KKK Mm -hmm. um, and avoid the interactions that they have in Dayton. But I personally found that to be a really meaningful way for me to cope with the fact that this group was in town. Oh, for sure. I know a lot of people at the university were very upset that this rally was taking place and they really didn't want it to occur. So I'm sure there were some UD students who were there as well. So let's talk about what this rally really was. So ultimately, May 25th, 2019, KKK decides to show up in downtown Dayton. Um, Huge, huge reaction from the community, from the city. And and what it turns out to be is really nine people, ultimately. I mean, I thought that was crazy that there was this whole fuss and then only nine people showed up and they were drowned out by 500 or 600 protesters, which I thought was pretty amazing that there were so many people standing up to hate and just like to that they really overwhelmed in this small number of people. Yeah, and it was really beautiful looking at those five to 600 protesters downtown. It wasn't representative of one community. Mm-hmm. It was representative of every type of person, every walk yes. of, of life was represented in that in that location. So we have here, you know, there were members ranging from Antifa to different religious groups to um, white individuals, black individuals, all of these people, university students, you know, youth as into people as old as, Um, our seniors in the community, everyone came together, regardless of their different walks of life, to really put put across this message that we're really not tolerating this type of hate in Dayton. Yes, for sure. And even the businesses got involved as well. They had signs that said, get your hating out of Dayton, and hate is not welcome here. And I thought that was really cool that the businesses as well were involved in protesting and saying, we do not stand for this. We don't want this to be happening. Absolutely. You know, and to me, when the KKK was here, I chose to look at that message mm-hmm. and not look at the message KKK was bringing into town. I, I chose to look at the signs that were hanging in windows at businesses. You know, I feel like Hart Mercantile and the Barrel House in Dayton each kind of became famous for these chalkboard signs that yes. they that they were having. And, you know, if the listeners, if you have time to to go on the Internet, go on Facebook or Instagram and just search these signs. I mean, it's really powerful to see these these overwhelming messages that these organizations in Dayton, these companies, were putting across to really show that this is not something that happens in Dayton. This is not the message that Dayton wants mm-hmm. to get across. You know, we want people to know that regardless of who you are, Dayton is a place where you're welcome. For sure. And you saw this trending all over online. So I saw it from all the way from D.C. on social media. I saw it on the news. I saw it on my friend's 
um, like social media pages that we were all just united against hate in this instance and we didn't want this to be happening. Absolutely. And so the KKK rally would ultimately kind of spark this united against hate movement within Dayton. You know, if you were in Dayton, for example, during the time of this KKK rally and even the week preceding it, RTA would feature on all of their buses the slogan United Against Hate, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a very at the front kind of protest saying we are not accepting this. You know, Sinclair was also kind of went viral for their giant banner saying hate is not welcome here. Um, And ultimately, this United Against Hate movement was truly born within the Dayton community. And that would be a trend that would almost then continue throughout the entire summer and I think is inspiring a lot of conversations moving forward within this community. Mm And I thought one of the really amazing things about this protest was that it managed to stay peaceful throughout the whole time. Leading up to it, there was a lot of concern that violence would occur. So there was, I believe, 350 police on scene to make sure that everything was okay. But throughout this whole day, there was no violence. There was just peace and people coming together. And I thought that was really beautiful that we were able to do something. They were just really worried that another Charlottesville would happen, and we didn't have that happen. Absolutely. Yeah, and and that came at a price tag, you know, $650,000, right? So Shelly Dickstein, the city manager, said it was about $650,000 to to get those 350 police officers there to take the security measures. Mm -hmm. If you were downtown, there were fences, there were physical barriers in the way. Um, There was a lot of precaution taken to make sure that this event would stay safe make sure that the public was was not going to be able to turn this into mm-hmm. something like Charlottesville. Yeah, and I know the University of Dayton was very concerned about the um, uh, that there could potentially be violence, so they encouraged the university students to go to the Afternoon of Peace instead, instead of being downtown in the city where something might happen. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think a lot of people took that same kind of stance. I think Even the city of Dayton was encouraging people, don't Mm -hmm. go to the rally. And, you know, everybody copes with what was happening in a different way. From my personal coping, to me, going downtown defeated a lot of the purpose within my mind. For example, if I went downtown, I felt like I was giving in to what KKK wanted. They want our attention. They wanted to see that reaction. At the same time, you know, for those people who were down there, they probably had things they needed to say and wanted to interact and Mm -hmm. wanted to to be seen and make that public stance that, you know, we're not tolerant of this. And I think there's not really a right or a wrong, but it was really great that we allowed both kind of perspectives. We allowed people to cope with this in whatever means they needed. For sure. And I have a question. Before doing all this research for today, did you know what this rally was about? Because for me, I just knew that the KKK were coming and I was upset but I didn't know why they were coming originally. So I did a bit of research and digging into that. So did you know beforehand? Yeah, I was kind of fascinated when I saw the research as to why, because I think we really made a big deal out of the fact that they are coming. Yeah. And that's what it became centered on is they are coming. And I personally don't remember a time seeing why they were here. Yeah, so I was doing some research, and it turns out that they filed this, like, um, well, that they were coming because they wanted to protest people taking down Confederate statues and monuments. And I thought that was really interesting because there are no Confederate statues or monuments in Dayton. So why did they pick this city specifically to come here? To me, that made no sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it seems like a very a very strange reason. And, you know, I heard a lot about them possibly trying to recruit individuals while mm-hmm. they were here. Um, but that seemed like a very 
a very strange situation to me as well. Right. I was doing some research. I thought, okay, maybe there are some statues, but there weren't. And there's very few even in Ohio. So really, and this group was from Indiana. There, a lot of things just didn't connect for me there. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, to me, this is a group who is looking for the reaction, is looking for those mm-hmm. people to to put on almost a show for them. Um, to me, it's beautiful, though. As we look at this event, it really has inspired so much within Dayton. Oh, for you know, sure. That, to me, not only was that the kickoff of the United Against Hate movement, but also this Dayton Strong movement. Mm-hmm. The Dayton Strong movement that would get a lot of Daytonians through the tornadoes that hit the Miami Valley um, just two days after the protest. Right. Through the mass shooting that would then happen in the Oregon District. You know, this has been truly a summer in Dayton and really the entire Miami Valley of these huge events going on and a lot of these huge devastating events happening in Dayton and really what we've seen starting at this KKK rally is Dayton is strong together. We Mm -hmm. are one unified voice. We stand together and that's really beautiful. I mean, I don't remember a time in Dayton where the entire community has come together so strongly as they have this summer. Yes, for sure. I agree with that completely. And going back to what you were talking about recruiting, last, um, was it April, March? Let me see. Oh, it was March. Last March, University of Dayton sent out an email to all of its students that they had found neo-Nazi recruiting posters on polls in different spots on campus. And that was very jarring to see as a student there that there were people trying to recruit us to white hate organizations and the university sent out a message that they were not okay with this they did not align with this message and they took it all down and i didn't personally see any of these posters but i know me and my friends were very confused and upset that something like this could happen on our campus yeah absolutely you know as i think the entire city of dayton is upset and confused Mm and how these things can happen in our community and and i think really ud ud took a stance saying that obviously, you know, they right. they condone this type of racism and that they immediately removed these signs from campus. When it came time for the KKK rally, I think rightfully so, they said, you know, we're not going to have a presence. We're not really going to have an interaction yeah. with this, which I think not only from a safety standpoint, but also, you know, they just don't want to be involved in giving that attention back to the KKK. Um, but UD has certainly taken stances that they were going to to oppose these actions. And really, it's fascinating the historical connections that UD has to the KKK. Uh Yeah, so one of my professors that I now work for and I had freshman year has done a lot of research on the KKK presence in Dayton. And in the 1920s, they had a huge presence here, which is not something you would think. And the reason why they were really here and active was they didn't like Catholics, which is something that you don't typically think about when you think of the KKK. So they would come on campus all the time to just harassed students and they really didn't like the ROTC building on campus because they thought it was recruiting students to a Catholic movement against America. And it was just very interesting to hear what they thought was going on. So they would really come on and harass students and they would burn crosses. And I think the one of the climax, the culminating moments was the first one of the first days after winter break started in 1923. A bunch of KKK members came to the um, came to campus, and there weren't a lot of students. And they were burning crosses. They were just like storming the campus. And all these students who were still there, which were not a, a lot, but they came out and they just came out against them. And they 
tried to drive them off campus, and different people from the neighborhoods came in and joined them. And that was really one of the last times that KKK members came onto campus to harass students. But they would still come near campus and go to Woodland Cemetery. And so something that's really interesting was the head football coach at the time sent his football players out to the cemetery to drive off the KKK members, which I did not know, but that was super cool that yeah. somebody at the university would take a stand like that. Yeah, that's really amazing. And and so looking historically kind of at the KKK, in the 1920s when all of this was happening, about 15 to 20% of the population was a card-carrying member of the KKK. Which is you know, crazy. Huge, huge percentage. Can't, you know, we can't fathom a number like that. No. Um, now looking specifically at Dayton, estimates in Dayton were that about 10 to 25% of the 150,000 residents mm-hmm. of Dayton were card-carrying members. So still a huge percentage. And then maybe most disturbingly was this rally that happened on September 21st, yes. to, you know, 1923, in which 32,000 KKK members showed up at the Montgomery County Fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's huge. It's just the opposite, complete opposite of what we saw this summer. Was originally in the 1920s you had Daytonians coming together around hate and now we're coming together against hate and i think i'm really glad that we've moved past that and that we've come to a new unifying moment but it's still really sad to think about the past and what happened there absolutely you know it's definitely optimistic that those numbers have flipped so Mm -hmm. now it's a few kkk members show up and a huge number of people show up to counter that Whereas back in this day, you know, it was the large group was the KKK. Yes. And the smaller group at this time was mostly those UD students who were For showing sure, up to yeah. say, this is not okay. This is not what the United States is about. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about looking back to, to this last May, the city's response to this happening. So obviously the city was appalled that this was trying to happen. Mm-hmm. And the city really made a lot of efforts to stop it from happening. So originally what had happened was the KKK group. So these are... Um, members of the Sacred Knights of Indiana, they put in an application to gather at Courthouse Square. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they used kind of some deceitful tactics. Yeah, they but... put different names. They did these things to really make the city not realize really what was happening. For sure, yeah. Um, and when that was found, clearly the city's result was, we need to stop this. Oh, yeah. So they tried to, but co- like constitutionally, they can't stop a group from coming together. That's not legal. So they tried... And they tried and they said, why don't you go somewhere else? And they said, no, we want to be here. And I just can't understand that. But Yeah, and my understanding was there was a lawsuit as well Mm -hmm. on behalf of the city trying to keep them out. That ultimately did not end in success, clearly, as the rally still took place. And it's really an, an interesting issue. You know, I can sympathize with the idea of let's find a way to get them out. But also at the same time, trying to keep that balance of if we deny someone their constitutional right, it creates a very slippery slope of, well, do we start to turn away anyone who's speaking words that we Mm -hmm. don't like? Um, It's like that idea that hate speech is protected by the Constitution, but you can't just yell fire in the middle of a crowded movie theater. Absolutely. Because of, like, um, the... It was something about hurt. Like, do you have the potential to hurt somebody by your words or something like that? I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. And I think... You know, while the city couldn't turn this away, mm-hmm. I think having the KKK come, the city was able to really make the best of this event. I agree. So I want to talk about Mayor Nan Whaley's response. And really, Mayor Nan Whaley, 
I think, provided a very strong front for Dayton throughout this entire summer of events. And um, I want to real quickly quote her statement. She says, quote, this ugly chapter is over, but it means we have to get back to the real work, making sure that no matter what you look like, where you come from or who you love, that you can have a great life here in Dayton. I'm committed to this work and I know my fellow commissioners are as well. I hope you will join us. I mean, really a strong proclamation to the idea that we need to move forward from this and that this event was one event and it was one event that very likely can spark a lot of conversation and and spark us being able to make policy, move forward and really ensure that Dayton is an environment where every individual feels like they're welcome. I agree. I thought she did a great job. And I know mayors from all over and different news sources were really commending her on the work she did in A, keeping the city safe and B, just being a great leader in this time of crisis and people really rallying around her and saying that, yes, we support our mayor and we like what she's doing and what she's saying. Definitely. So this this group of KKK, you know, these sacred knights of Indiana mm-hmm. is one of about 100 different known KKK yeah. groups, which to me is is astounding that a hundred of these hate groups still exist. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, in this very different time and world. In Ohio, there were 30 white supremacy organizations made up of at least 100 active members, members which when you contrast that to the, even just in Dayton, the 32,000 that were here in 1923, that's a huge reduction. So, no, I do think it is interesting. You know, it says within the last year, propaganda for these organizations has jumped 182%. How is that even possible? I think that certainly there are things that are happening in society right now where that's normalizing these topics and and almost giving people back the power to feel like they are permitted to say these things. Mm -hmm. You know, so certainly I don't think that we are creating racists. I don't think that racists are, are kind of coming out of the woodwork. I just think that those individuals now feel like they are allowed to have a voice again. Yeah. You know, where I, I think that Dayton sent a very clear message where you can't have that voice here. Hi, everyone. This is Kayla from NCCJ, and I'll be bringing you Dayton's diversity highlight today. So, this highlight will be something that we do on the podcast every single time just to highlight some events, individuals, and organizations in the Dayton area that are really focused on bringing diversity and inclusion to the community. So, this week's Highlight is going to be the Hispanic Heritage Festival, which I hope some of you got to get out to. This festival was the 19th annual festival, and it took place September 14th in downtown Dayton. It was brought to you by the Puerto Rican, American, and Caribbean organization, as well as Five Rivers Metro Parks. And it was just a great place to show off some food, cultural exhibits, resource booths, merchandise vendors, and free healthcare screenings to the Dayton community. We really love to see occasions like this because it helps us open up a dialogue about different cultures, especially because Dayton unbeknownst to a lot of people in the area, is actually very filled with a big Hispanic culture and community. So we just want to give a big shout out to everyone who is involved in that festival for doing the best work they can to bring diversity to the Dayton area. Hey there, listeners. Lake Miller again. I wanted to highlight a great NCCJ program. Anytown Youth Leadership Institute is a weekend-long retreat that educates high school students on issues impacting society. Issues include racism, sexism, ableism, and more. Anytime will take place Friday, November 1st to Sunday, November 3rd. To find out more, visit www.nccjgreaterdayton.org anytown. Applications are due on October 18th. Thanks for tuning in to Gem City Diversity. 
Make sure you come back and listen on October 15th as we dive into housing segregation in Dayton. For more information on NCCJ and diversity within the Miami Valley, go visit www.nccjgreaterdayton.org. Also make sure to like NCCJ of Greater Dayton on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at nccj underscore of underscore greater underscore Dayton. And follow us on Twitter at nccjdayton. I'm Emma Scoville, and I was here with my co-host, Lake Miller, and we'll see you next time.